Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to show 244 from Engage for Success, the future and present of work and how we can be more effective. So today we're talking about the future of work, but obviously, as I said, also the, the current of work uh, and being more effective. Uh, my special guest is Bruce Daisley, who's the EMEA VP for Twitter uh, and also founder and host of the Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat podcast. So I'm Jo Dobbs, your host for today. I'm a productivity, wellbeing and engagement consultant, and I also work within the core team of the Engage for Success movement. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there's a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine light on good practice and are widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. So if you go to our website, which is engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the top of the page to join our newsletter list and we email out uh, on a weekly basis so to, we can let you know what's happening within the movement and also um, one of the many events or some of the many events that are happening uh, on, a, on a weekly basis. In fact, I was looking at the events program only yesterday uh, on the website as we started showing the events down the side of our blog posts and March is so full of events that actually the blog post just goes on and on and on blank but with a really long event section on the right hand side. So uh, do um, get onto the mailing list if you want to hear about what's happening but also do use the uh, website look on our events section under get involved to let you know what's happening. So um, I can tell you that uh, our conference is looming. It's on the 22nd, Thursday the 22nd of March, and you can still get tickets on the website again if you go to engageforsuccess.org forward slash 2018 conference, then you can find out uh, more about what's happening at the conference and uh, who our speakers are, and also book tickets if you want to come along and join us. We've got a really packed uh, agenda. We struggled to fit everybody in because we had, in the end, so many people who um, were willing to come along and uh, join in the day. So we've got people like Matthew Taylor from the RSA and uh, Katie McSweeney from Mumsnet, Dane Carol Black, uh, Sir Eric Peacock, Paula Venels from the Post Office, Neil Carberry from the CBI, and uh, Peter Cheese from the CIPD. So that's just a few of the speakers. So if you go along and have a look at the website, as I said, engageforsuccess.org forward slash 2018 conference, then you can find out more about what will be happening on the day. And we look forward to seeing you there. So um, you may be wondering why I'm talking about the conference at the beginning of the show rather than at the end, where I might normally be talking about it. Well, if you were listening last week, <laughs> you might recognize that I'm filling for time. <laughs> um, so uh, last week we had a problem where the speaker uh, the other other um the guests couldn't actually get on to the, the show and uh, so i had to do the first 10 minutes on my own whilst uh, we tried to sort that out and then we had to go away and record the second half of the show so that uh, we could put that live for you um i say that was last week actually it was a week before the last time i was i was on here and um, i'm sort of doing it again today because bruce is joining me and he has emailed to say that he's running late um so i'm sort of uh 
filling in until he arrives. Uh, you know, as he runs Twitter in Europe, I think we can probably um, assume that he's fairly busy. Uh, so we're just so pleased that he's uh, agreed to come on our show and uh, talk about the future of work. And the reason he's joining us, or the, the, how it came about, is that I'm a, an avid podcast listener myself. You won't be surprised to hear, as I also do um, a couple of them myself. But uh, I listen to lots and lots of podcasts. And I think it was actually Kathy Brown, our exec director, who recommended... Uh, Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat, which is Bruce's podcast. And I actually started listening to that a good few months ago now. And um, I've just really enjoyed listening to uh, the guests that he's had, the conversation that uh, they've been sharing over the, the last few months, as I said. And I'd absolutely recommend it if you listen to, <laughs> if you listen to podcasts. You're listening to this one. <laughs> Presumably you do. Uh, you know, do go and check out uh, either their website, Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat, dot uh, fm uh, or you can just go to however you download your podcast and do a search for them uh, they're the number one um podcast i guess probably for business uh, on uh, apple so uh, i'm sure you'll be able to find them quite easily and they the, the sort of description of, of what the pod is is it talks about answering the question how can we be happier at work and um it says on the website that a lot of people talk about work culture and and companies talk about culture and and you know they use it as a way of marketing themselves to new employees um you know we work really hard here but we whatever that might be and the example these on their website is you know we've got a massage room and some smoothies <laughs> so we sound like we're a you know a great employer sort of thing um but you know what they're trying to do and what we're going to do in the show when uh, bruce can join us is talk about how you sort of cut through um that sort of subjective discussion around um you know culture and the pr of it and actually think about what should work look like. And um, a lot of what they talk about really does fit really nicely with the uh, discussions that we have as part of the movement. And one of the things I'd recommend is if you go to their website, as I say, it's seekworkrepeat.fm, there's a, a link to their manifesto, and uh, they call it the, the New Work Manifesto, where Bruce collaborated uh, with Sue Todd, who was on the first few episodes of the podcast, to create the manifesto with... Uh, eight uh, changes that anyone can make, as it says, to make work better. And that's partly what we're going to be talking about today when Bruce joins us. Um, so um, I don't really want to start going through it without him having arrived. <laughs> but I might have to <laughs> if he doesn't come through. Uh, but um, it, it is uh, stuff that's it's really pertinent to what we talk about within the movement around engaging people. Um, I, as you heard, also specialise in productivity and well-being, and I think, you know, it really speaks to that as well. So um, I'll just read some of what it says on the page. It says, modern work is frying our brains. We're working longer, and the way we're working is taking more of a toll on us. We believe we can make work more enjoyable, more rewarding, and less taxing. By committing to this simple manifesto, we believe we can improve work and our lives. And then there are, as I said, eight uh, to, um, to to look at. And uh, I'd, I'd listened, as I said, to Bruce's podcast for, for quite a few months and, and listened to a few discussions that they had about the um, manifesto and uh, just really thought it would be a great thing to discuss on our show. I wasn't sure that uh, Bruce would be able to join us, but... Uh, he said he would, and I think he's actually just actually joined us live now too. Are you there, Bruce? Hello there. Sorry about that. That's the, that's the curse Hello. of living in a city like London. Hello there. <laughs> no, 
no worries at all. I had to busk at the beginning a couple of weeks ago, so the, the listeners are used to me doing that. So uh, I've explained that you have your podcast and that I listen to it avidly, and that's why I contacted you. But I also explained what your, your day job is and hence why you're uh, probably rather busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if, if we're, we're on a podcast talking about work and how work can be less demanding on us, then it's, it may be appropriate that I've been delayed by a combination of commuting and work today. So uh, profound apologies <laughs> and uh, so thrilled to be here. Yes, and I'm so pleased that you are joining us. And, and it's a little a little um, odd for me because I listen to my podcasts on faster than normal speed. So your voice is slower today than it would normally be when I'm listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I occasionally find myself exactly the same. I occasionally find myself listening to podcasts on normal speed. And it sounds like someone's had two bottles of red. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So... Bruce, tell us, I, um, I've sort of explained that you do a podcast. I started to talk about the New Work Manifesto and that I'd heard you talk about it on the podcast. But just sort of give us a bit of a background to, to where the podcast came from and where the manifesto came from. Yes. Yeah, so um, I work at Twitter. My day job is at Twitter. And, uh, and I think like, like a lot of people, I was, I, I mean, I adore my job and I adore, adore the people I work with. But uh, like a lot of people, I was, I was, beginning to think each successive year that work was becoming less fun. And, you know, that's not necessarily a sign of age or being long in the tooth, or maybe I've been around the block two or three times, although probably all of those things are true as well. But it was more a reflection of the fact that I think the demands upon most of us these days are reaching a stage where a lot of people feel like they can't cope. They're maybe, uh, they're maybe overwhelmed. You know, if, if you look at some stats, the average... Um, with the average British person, so forgive, forgive that, but the average British person spends 16 hours a week in meetings. But internationally, the average manager spends 24 hours a week in meetings. That's three days in meetings before they've set about doing emails. And um, so one of the things that has come from this is that there's an increasing trend of people being on their phones in meetings or on their laptops if they've got laptops or... Um, people feeling, uh, people sitting in open plan office spaces with headphones on. And, and I'm sure that a few of those things will be recognized by your listeners because people are just struggling with the, the volume of demands upon them. And I think that's, that was my feeling. My feeling was work in itself wasn't necessarily less enjoyable. And the people I worked with were still as delightful as they ever were. But the amount of demands that are coming onto us are reaching levels where, they're, they're sort of unsustainable, really. And so um, I, mm. my feeling with, with regards to the New Work Manifesto was that we created these eight points, eight very simple things that anyone can do to try and improve their working life. So, you know, some of these are really, really simple. Um, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the, the best thing that anyone can do to be happier in work is to take the notifications off their email app. So to... Um, to reduce the, uh, the, the amount of alerts and reminders that our email, <coughs> our email app is sending us. Now, the funny thing about that one is that uh, it's deeply rooted in a fabulous piece of science. But the guy who was doing the science, when he set about doing that experiment, he wanted to get a group of people to turn off their, their notifications for a week. And he couldn't get it. He couldn't get enough people to commit to turn off notifications for a week. So he said, okay, a day. Right, okay, so he lowered his expectations immediately. The end result was, two years later, 
half of all the people who turned off their notifications for a day had still turned them off. So it's the best thing that any of us can wow. do. Like, and, and if someone told you that you'd be happier at work if you were just getting fewer notifications of emails, you've still got the same number of emails, but fewer notifications. Most people think, ah, that, that's too good to be true. So I think that's the idea with the manifesto. The manifesto is, <coughs> is eight simple changes that anyone can make, and some of them, I know your audience is international, some of them, um, the, the idea of taking a lunch break. Uh, it will, a lot of countries sort of religiously observe a lunch break, but suddenly it's been gradually crushed out of a lot of our working days. We sit at our desk, we sort of, uh, we, we think we'll work through lunch and we'll, we'll crack the back of our emails. And in fact, you know, all of the evidence suggests that's at the expense of causing us uh, more stress and reducing our creativity. Mm -hmm. What I really like about the manifesto is the fact that it's designed for us all as individuals because so much of the discussion we have around engaging people and culture and organizations is about you know what leaders can do to improve our lives and our situation and our working and actually you know you're coming at it from well we can all make those changes for ourselves we don't need people to do it for us we've got some responsibility you know a big bit of responsibility for it yeah that's exactly right I mean you know I think the critical thing is that I think for a lot of us we we've we're getting to the position where we blame our bosses for things and there's, there's plenty of things our bosses are responsible for but um, actually we, we we do what one scientist called Martin Seligman called uh, learned helplessness and it's that feeling where yeah. you feel like you can't push back against some of the demands upon us. You can't change the fact that, um, you know, there's this massive volume of email or, or how many of us have, have experienced that sense of learned helplessness when we sat in a, a two-hour meeting or an hour-long meeting and the same people are saying the same things and you feel hostage. And that's something that Martin Seligman called, called learned helplessness. And it's really easy to observe. You observe it in he did it by, uh, by, sh by shocking dogs, by giving dogs electric shocks. I wouldn't advise you to do that. But um, he, he observed in that, that dogs very quickly came to expect the shock and dealt with it. But there's an interesting thing. If you look at the science, we're, we're seeing that more and more in our working environments. So one of the things that we see is that we see that um, these, one of the biggest workforce surveys in the world is this Gallup Workforce Survey. And the Gallup Workforce Survey has found that um, about three quarters of us say that we go to work to be a different version of ourselves, to, to sort of shut off, to, to be an artificial version of ourselves. And uh, so the, clearly the, the big thing about that is if you can't be your real self at work, it's unlikely you're going to produce your best creative ideas. It's unlikely that you're going to, to uh, spontaneously uh, share your thoughts with someone and be, be willing to expose your sort of the, the naivety of your best ideas. And so that's it. We're seeing more and more that all of the science is pointing to the fact that we need to change some things in the way that, that work is constructed. Now, look, some of those things are, as I've said here, really simple. One of them is you've got to try and encourage your teams. And I think this isn't about bosses. This is about teams to not have emails at the weekend. 
and there's really good evidence in the uh, in the manifesto website. In um, I, I've covered it in in my own podcast as well. But there's really good evidence about um, creativity being killed by stress. And what we see is that when people work at the weekends, when they do emails at the work end, weekends, they tend to exhibit higher levels of stress. So the most important thing is not having emails at the weekend. Now, I recognize that your boss might be a weekend emailer. And so the challenge there is how do you persuade your boss to not email at the weekend? And so that's the idea of the manifesto, is that people can bring along these ideas to their team, bring along suggestions, you know, they can entertain the idea that maybe, guys, should we try this out, different way of working? I recognize not, not every boss is mm -hmm. going to be open to that, but trying to bring a bit of science into the equation often proves one of the most uh, productive things you can do. Mm. It's also that, that bit about uh, not making assumptions, isn't it, in, in that your boss might email at the weekend, but they may not be expecting you to respond, but people do because they think that they do and because they haven't had that discussion and all that sort of stuff. And I guess there's an argument for saying, well, just you know, hold the email back anyway. Uh, but yeah. equally, it's I mean, that thing about having that confidence to, 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 to do your own right. thing, isn't it? That's right. I mean, if, if you presume that sort of most actions are actually conceived in uh, with good intent, you know, so so while it's sort of possible for us to demonize uh, some of the the sort of figures that we work with, actually most actions are, are, are conceived with positive intent. And so consequently, if you tell a boss, normally, uh, what, in my experience, what I've found is that when you tell a boss um, that them emailing at the weekend is causing stress for everyone, they're immediately apologetic and they say, oh, I was just clearing my inbox. So firstly, it's a reminder that yeah. the tools of email that we've got haven't kept pace with the way that work has changed. But then when you say to them, well, look, if you just saved all those emails, you can write them, but save them and send them on a Monday morning or some, some email applications have delayed sense. When you send them on a mon Monday morning, they have exactly the same effect, but they create a, a slightly more sunny um, work environment. And most, you know, most bosses, I, t I tend to believe, most bosses have got kind-hearted intent and just bringing them evidence and bringing them some science helps, helps with that and, and helps sort of move in the right direction there. Yeah, yeah. So one of the, the points in the manifesto is about 40 hours is enough. And, uh, you know, we hear increasingly over the years that uh, people are working longer and longer hours. But, you know, there is tons of research that says exactly what you're saying, that actually working longer doesn't make you more effective, more productive and all that other stuff, never mind the stress that it, it, it creates. So tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, I think that's an important mindset because, of course, you know, we've all got the flexibility that, um, that working a little bit longer sometimes can just help us finish something that we've been struggling to finish. But when you start with the mindset that I'm going to do 40 hours of work this week and, and what that will permit me to do is be my most creative, uh, to, to set myself up for, to, to be less stressed, to set myself up to be most productive. And all of those things are, pr are pretty well evident. But as soon as you've got that as your mindset, then you start recognizing that everything that you choose to do is a trade-off, you know, that, that work really is sort of zero sum. And so if you commit to do a three-hour meeting, that does displace something else. Well, the, the danger is, you see, that most of us are so willing to be pleasers, we're so willing to, um, to just agree to things, 
that there's a trade-off in terms of our own attention, in terms of our own energy, in terms of our own creativity, but we don't see it. So if someone says, is there any chance you can come into this three-hour meeting? Rather than thinking, okay, well, what shall I do that instead of? What will I displace by doing that? Um, we, we, t we tend to just go along and do it. And the end result of that is that people feel uh, more exhausted, more, more um, worn down by uh, the, the actions they're doing. And they, they, they tend to find that they're, um, that they're, not, op they're not operating to their, their best effectiveness. So, so I think that's the critical thing, thinking about how you, can, um, how you can manage your own energy, how you can manage your own, uh, your own creativity. The important start point there is thinking about, okay, what, what will I do in this instead of? And so treating work as a mm. finite 40 hours is really critical. I saw a really good thing. So one of, one of the things that's, um, that's happened over the last 20, 30 years, 20 years, is that since the arrival of email on smartphones, the average working day has gone up from seven and a half hours a day, to, which is a 40-hour week effectively, to uh, nine and a half hours a day. People are squeezing work into places that didn't have work. So people are using, doing work on the commute home. People are doing work on the commute in. People are doing work while they're watching TV. People are doing work at the weekends. People are doing a lot more work. Actually, if you look at productivity, productivity hasn't gone up anywhere near commensurate with that. So uh, we're, we're seeing that these things tend not to produce more, but they tend to be about sort of staying connected. They tend to be about uh, sort of trying to feel like you're, you're connected into a network. And uh, so I think, you know, the, the critical thing for us overall is thinking about how, how can we try to optimize ourselves probably the best example of this is sports people when you speak to sports people so the average sportsman or, or woman doesn't believe in running the most amount of miles a week or, or you know doing the most amount of practice they believe in in practicing hard um at, for a short period of time so one of the things it's the mantra of the British cycling team, but forgive me, it, it, it actually, if you, if you look at it, it's actually a quotation from Winston Churchill. But Winston Churchill uh, said, you know, his, his mindset was, if you can't lie down, sit down. Right, okay. And this is the mantra of the UK cycling team. And the idea behind that is that if you can't lie down, sit down, is that always rest your legs. And I chatted to someone who's a, a, a semi-pro cyclist. And they were moving, they were sort of combining it with their job. And I said to them, they said they'd gone down to four days work a week. Uh, a week. So they were sort of doing three days uh, leisure. And they asked their team coach, what day shall I take off? And their team coach said to them, take Monday off and sleep all day. All right, that's an interesting difference, isn't it? Because they, these are people who've got a, a product that they're trying to deliver that's the best quality product. But their approach to rest is mm. that rest is as important for creating something as the actual work. And I think a lot of us make the mistake mm. of, of missing that, of missing that association that work and rest are actually two parts of the same. A lot of us find ourselves in a situation yeah. where we believe that, that actually working 70 hours a week is the, is the route to success. And as I said before, this is definitely provably um, the enemy of both productivity and creativity. So the, there's uh, some great yeah. work by a guy called John Penkerville, and he looked at 
he looked at like an, an ancient set of uh, stats that sort of passed down to us, and he looked at when people are the most productive and people with them that achieve their maximum productivity when they worked about 54 hours a week, any more than that, and actually their productivity was going down. Now, I think most of us recognize that we don't necessarily need to work 55 hours, but if you know that that's the limit of what we can achieve, then you know, that's what we keep in reserve for those, those stress weeks, those weeks where we need to do something extra firm. But you know, for a sustainable level of work, doing 40 hours of work is enough. And as soon as you look at it like that, as soon as you go, right, I've got a 40 units here, I've got 40 units of productivity. What's the best way for me to achieve what my responsibility here is? And a lot of us find ourselves, I'm sure you're like me, you'll find yourself thinking, forgetting today and I manage my inbox, that's a good day. And it's mistaking <laughs> something that feels like work for work. The best thing that any of us could do is that, you know, irrespective of the, the probably demands from our boss and emails and meetings for our boss that probably demand some of our time, but thinking about what my job is and what I need to do and allocating the 40 units that I've got towards that is the best thing that any of us could do. And, you know, ultimately the end mm -hmm. result of that is your work week often looks a bit different. Yeah, yeah. As always, these, these uh, sessions uh, fly by, and we've got sort of just over four minutes till, till the end of the show. This stuff is, is great, and, you know, I work for myself, and I have done for 12 years, and I, you know, have learnt to apply some of this because I can, and I can flex my working day and all that sort of stuff. How do we get this to happen in organisations where there is that sort of DNA of, you know, it's it's nine to five and then some, and you know, it's hard to change. What what do we do differently? Yeah. Million dollar question. <laughs> yeah, that's why I think science is really powerful and 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 really helpful with these things because I think you know my experience is that I've spent uh, fifteen sixteen months looking at the people who are organisational psychologists, behavioural. And change agents and actually there's no shortage of evidence you know one of the best things that we've got evidence for is the is the influence of positive effect a positive effect is um the 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 notion that we're more creative uh when we're in a good mood okay so there's loads and loads and loads of evidence from it but if you think of often our boss will say to us guys i don't want everyone standing around laughing I don't want, you know, right now we need to focus on hitting the numbers. Can you make sure that there's less people standing around chatting? So like, there's loads of evidence suggesting that people are more productive, uh, they're more likely to, to come up with the stuff that makes a difference against the, com the competition if they're in a good mood. If they're, like, they're positive, they're motivated. So there's loads and loads of evidence about it. And yet what happens, unfortunately, is our boss wanders past and says, are you guys not busy? And it's, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of how we're humans rather than how uh, we're sort of cells in a spreadsheet. So I think you know, the, the only way we're going to win these mm. things is with science. And so anyone who goes to the New Work Manifesto website, newworkmanifesto.org, it's just got uh, articles on it, TED Talks, suggestions, great starting point. You know, my LinkedIn's open, Bruce Daisley. I, I'm always interested to hear examples of what people have done, examples of how people have have changed these things and you know how people disagree with these things you know i'm really fascinated um i'm sort of turning a lot of these things into a book right now and the thing i'm really interested in is 
someone gave it a go. Try it out. What you know? What was your experience of of taking lunch breaks? What was your experience of banning weekend emails? You know, what was the way that you brought more laughter into your office? And so, you know, really interested in people getting in touch, sending me on LinkedIn any suggestions that you've got of what you've done, what worked and what didn't work. But, you know, I, I completely agree with you. That the hardest thing for us to do to try and make these things stick, to try and make these things work, is to, um, is to get some science on the table. Because the problem otherwise is that uh, one guy said to me, he runs a a publishing on demand company. And he said to me, inside of him is an 18th century mill owner. And what he meant by that is that inside of him was someone who looks out and says, where is everyone? You know, why aren't they at their desks working? And all of us have got it. Even, mm. even, you know, you, me, our bosses have definitely got it. We've got this instinct to think if someone isn't at their desk, they're probably not working as hard. So it's inside all of us. And the only way we're going to yeah. change these things is if what we do is we, we fill that void where, you know, people who profess to be talking about common sense, they, 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 they spout these ideas. The only way we're going to win is if we turn that common sense into actually into sort of science and we fill the gap with science. Mm. Yeah, yeah, lovely. So we need to go and try it ourselves, try it in our organisation. Thank you, Bruce. Really appreciate you joining me today. It's been great. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Bye. And just to let you know, next week we have Melisan Egar Hutton, who's communications and engagement consultant at Smith & Henderson, talking about engagement and communications, not surprisingly. We'll catch you next time. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.